podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. People say treat yourself like you need a reason, but McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee, get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Behind every company, there's a time-tested engine keeping it moving. By earning your accounting degree online from Grand Canyon University, you can advance your career by identifying business efficiencies and building business models. Become a core team member by keeping business on budget and on track to success. What do you think accounting careers look like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Good evening, it is the Day Trippers, it is the club on a Monday and we are brought to you by the Pitchball Football Fan App. Giving the fans a voice, get your free download on the App Store and Google Play Store and there will be some actual football to look forward to in the coming days, weeks and what, about uh, a month and uh, three quarters. So tonight I've got uh, with me... Uh, the ever optimistic Andy Young. How's it going, Andy? Oh, good. Feeling optimistic, right? Yeah, you have to be now. Now yeah. that football is coming back. Uh, we've got uh, Pete over in Spain. How's it going, Pete? Good evening. No complaints from sunny Spain. Excellent. The weather must be really heating up over there now. Yeah, it's, it's average to absolutely beautiful. Oh, but none of us can enjoy it because we're not allowed outside. Okay. And we've got uh, Phil. Uh, how's it going, Phil? Great, great, Ray. And unlike Pete, we're allowed outside and I go yeah. swimming every day now. Yeah, I, I'm, my mental health is refreshed. I'm, I'm alive to this. I'm alive mm-hmm. to the world. I basically parked sport and television and football. And my life now is about enjoying the great outdoors, mother nature and staying with, with reality. Until Saturday. So, until Saturday. Well, sport don't yeah, exist. That three-month kind of uh, little journey is coming to an end for you, Phil, because uh, football is coming back. Uh, don't give a show. I'll watch matches today. Be grand. <laughs> we are. We are. We are getting back to the point where uh, the Bundesliga is total shite again, and no one will watch another game. Uh, this season in Germany. Um, Ray, Ray, can I just say something on this, right? The yeah. worst thing the Bundesliga did was not to rearrange the fixtures to stick Bayern and Borussia Dortmund about four games from the end because by playing that game, I think the second game week they came back. It was. But once Bayern Munich had won that, it was like it was over. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Um, so so that, that was their biggest mistake. They should, they should have copped on. And arguably, I'd say, if England were being smart, they should just play should have just played Liverpool against City in the fourth match back. Mm. Well, we look, could... talking about leagues that are over, um, 
I suppose there's an argument to say that uh, the league that we are about to resume is pretty much over, but there is still some pretty important business uh, to take care of. And it's going to start for us um, next week, next Sunday, seven o'clock kickoff um, at Goodison Park. I eventually got decided that we were good to go um, on uh, on that particular date at Everton's ground rather than somewhere down on the South Coast, which would have been absolutely ludicrous. So, Andy, I'll come to you first because you, you're probably as excited as anyone uh, to see the Reds back in action. What's your, what's your overriding feelings at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just glad that they're seeing sense and they're going to play the, the games in the proper grounds. Uh, one thing that's still unsettling me a little bit is the extra subs. Five now, is it? Yeah. yeah? Yeah, uh, as far as I'm aware, that's that's a runner, and that that just makes a it just makes uh, the the asterisk argument still exist, <laughs> which which uh, I think with with the football returning, we can finally forget about anything like that and just win this league um, legit and have you know in a couple of games hopefully and have nobody make any complaints or make any kind of things towards us and. Um, so yeah, that excited. I'm really intrigued to see how it look, you know, looks and feels watching the league without, um, without fans. I couldn't really get into the Bundesliga because I'm not a Bundesliga fan. So I, I never really sat down and watched too much of it in the past. So just to get a football fix, I watched it and I have to say I didn't really enjoy it much at all. But, um, I'm kind of thinking now, I'm just intrigued to see how, how it looks and feels watching on telly. I think the, the Premier League, the type of um that uh just everything that goes with it, you know, the glam, I think we'll we'll probably see some bigger efforts about crowd noise and, and visuals as well. So I think it's gonna be an enjoyable experience and fuck it you know, this league is coming back and the main beneficiaries are gonna be ourselves. So well, Andy, I'd hate I'd hate to burst your bubble, but Liverpool came out today and said they won't be pump, pumping in any sound into the ground, and there won't be any visuals. Start putting no, well, it's, bro- the, it's the it's the broadcaster. They, like the the players will be on the pitch, and they won't know like it's the same. What's going the on the yeah. But the broadcaster, the, the glamour, the, the Premier League, and I'm sure they have something planned for us to keep us interested. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Pete. Um, obviously, you're in Spain, and we've seen the the, the Bundesliga um, start off in complete kind of silence. Uh, stadiums uh, where you could hear the players, you know, that you could hear them pretty clearly. Although, you know, for us, we don't understand. Not many of us understand German, but it sounds like a swimming pill. That's yeah, what thought it sounded like. Yeah, and so that seems to have now. After a couple of weeks, they seem to have gone to this uh, pump and sound in via the broadcasters. And then in Spain, I noticed with the resumption there that they've actually gone quite visual in terms of... Yeah, so the graphics, and that's obviously opening up a a bit of additional advertising opportunity and revenue, I would imagine, because you see a bit of that around the stadiums as well. I mean, mean, how has that been received? Very Um, well. I mean, I think... To be honest with you, people are, are more have been more starved of football over here. I mean, the Spanish uh, Spanish culture is more open to the fact that it is the opium of the masses. Um, and you know, Pedro Sanchez, the the the, the, the president here, 
um, is very, very, you know, his, his, uh, even though he's of the left and it wasn't that popular going into this whole debacle, he's handled himself quite well, quite conservatively and has appeased both sides by insisting from the beginning that football will come back. The rest is just aesthetics, you know. I mean, it, it's not as divided about, you know, the, the morality of returning at all as it is in England, you know, for obvious obvious reasons that we'll talk about later. But for me, you know, I think the Spanish have played a blinder. And it's all, as as Phil will tell you from, from being here so often, it's all style over substance in Spain. It's about how it looks. So yeah. they would they would have attacked the graphic end here before they attacked anything anything else, you know. Yeah, and and I think it's it, we're seeing it evolve. So it'll be interesting how um, how the Premier League factor in some of the things that we've already seen. And I, I I'd be surprised if you know for our home games and for the majority of uh, teams playing at home, there isn't at least at the start of the game, you know, uh, piping out the likes of "You'll Never Walk Alone" or an Everton's case egg cars. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it, to me, it's an inevitability, uh, and and possibly, you know, some of the things after goals where where some, I mean, Liverpool have never bought into playing any kind of theme tune or razzmatazz uh, after scoring a goal, but some obviously some. Some clubs do in the Premier League, so I would imagine that that will still be around even with no fans, just just for the effect on TV. But apparently, but Phil, um, apparently everything are going to be superimposing their new stadium in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it probably actually means that they've technically got it done if they have a CGI of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> over. Come here. What, did, did, did any of us look at this while the break was going on and look at all the sponsorship deals to Everton? Because obviously the power base has changed in Liverpool from Liverpool to Everton because Mo Shearer putting in the billion, the billions into it, right? And look at like their, their new kit deal was worth 8 million over 10 seasons or something like that. And their new sponsorship deal was like 9 million over 20 years. Like when they were sponsored by NEC in 1984, they were getting more money then. Not mm. even when they went down for inflation. I think they got two million for that season. Technically, they got more money in nineteen eighty four than they're getting for a year. With who is their sponsor? It's like cabbage or something, isn't it? It's like Tommy's cabbage is Kazoo. I thought it was a swear word. To be honest with you, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not even a thing. No, I, I like, think it's made up. It's, yeah, it's like it's like when your mate just goes out and says, you know, when in the old days when you had like Pro Evo or something, and you just had made up sponsors on the on the jerseys because they like couldn't City, get the official. Like City, just, yeah, just, yeah. just buy a company, build a company, pretend it's a sponsor, and and pump the money. It's like it's like a Mickey Mouse version of Manchester City, to be honest. Yeah, the mad thing about Everton. The mad thing about Everton is that obviously they're they're usually quite big on selling the half season tickets, and uh, obviously this season they've and they're going to end up having to refund half the half the season tickets. So they're now into (laughs) quarter season tickets, which got to be a Premier League first, really. (laughs) But like, if 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 Everton, Phil, you were going to say. But if, if if Everton like obviously if they're, if they're under mega sponsorship deals right so to, in in a worst case scenario we get slightly less money than New Balance were giving us with our new Nike deal right imagine that we didn't sell a single new jersey that's the only way that, that happens right Everton still have a deal that's worth three times less than what we have like, I think this is I think for a Premier League club who has spent the second highest amount of money over the last three years in terms of out of say like player purchases. To end up in a situation where they can't even get a deal that's bigger than West Ham's, who've been re- relegated about twelve times in the last fourteen years, mm. 
It seems it just seems mental. Well, it goes to show you can't throw money at a problem like Everton's. It's not even it's not even the comparison to Liverpool. It's where they actually are as a club. You know, they're just they're just not attractive. I mean, if I if I owned a major company, would I want even take that the, the example of their best player? Would I want Richarlison? You know, walking around with my product. You know, most of my most of your target market is, is thinking. Who the hell is that? That's not Mo Salah. Yeah. It's just, it's just how it is. You know, they're just not in a place where, you know, I mean, they, that's why I think I always found the concept of the people's club to be, you know, an abbreviation for yes, we know we're not popular or successful. Yes, we know that you know we're not attractive uh, to, to to major companies and and people don't like our style of football. But we are the people's club. What the fuck does that mean? Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I just think, to be quite honest with you, with Everton, it, everything is just. I mean, if you if you look at all of the comments that the their so called fans make on social media, I mean, the likes of John Merrow and people like that, it's just all defensive nonsense, and usually about Liverpool. You know, you can't promote a brand if your angle is trying to destroy the other brand. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I think what's brought in, you know, what's being brought into focus now, especially with Liverpool's success, um, you know, it, it, it it's the Champions League as well, isn't it? Let's 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 face it. You can throw as much money as you want at a club, but if you've not got the consistent exposure in the Champions League, you're never going to attract these massive. Uh, sponsorship deals, kit deals, um, and obviously the, the, the players that give you that, um, you know, that, that give you that exposure and, and, and look, that, that, let, let, let's bring it back to the actual game next week. Um, it's going to be in an empty ground. It's probably what the Evertonians would have, would have asked for, actually, if you'd have given them the choice, even back in March, they would, they would have taken a game, um, in an empty ground, given what was building at the time before we had to go into lockdown. But next week, um, I, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's tough to know how this is going to go. So, um, you know, it, 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 I've kind of already made my peace with the fact that we might not go there and, and this be a walk in the park. And we know Ancelotti has had success over uh, us uh, in recent times with Napoli. Um, Andy, what, what's your expectation for next week? We've seen games start pretty in pr- pretty sluggish fashion, first games back. Do you think it will be more of a grind? No, I think we'll spank them. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Get straight back in. <laughs> To be honest with you, um, the whole thing about going to play against Everton is going to Goodison and having to listen in to their fans. And it's, it's their, it's their fans that make the Merseyside Derby for most of them Everton players these days. And I don't think they would have anywhere near the amount of pride in trying to get a result against us. Um, it, the, the season is completely irrelevant to them at this stage. Mm, it is. And we want to wrap up the league as soon as possible. I mean, I think the focus at one stage for us was to go, you know, was obviously to go to see, go to season unbeaten. But now, it, you know, it would have torn down before all of this kicked off. It would have torn to maybe breaking the record for the amount of points accumulated. But I think at this stage now, Klopp will just want to win the league as soon as possible in two games. And then at that point, he can uh, he can prepare for next season and just play all the fringe players for the rest of the season. Give everyone games, um, and the league will be wrapped up. That you know, I know they could run into issues there when there's 
obviously relegation as well to be played. But yeah, I think our focus right now will be to just get the league done. And I, I'm not even joking. I think we could actually hockey them six or seven nil. Well, I think I think you're right, Andy. Because if you think about it in terms of, I mean, Ray, I would disagree with what you said at the beginning, and we you may be proved right. I mean, the one defence that Everton have, if, for example, look at the tactics that they're going to have to employ. It's going to be very, very, you know, get get up, get under them, disrupt the play. When you've got a crowd kind of adding to that uh, fever factor, referees will sometimes let that those kind of tactics, you know slip and let them go considering okay it's a it's a feverish derby but in the cold light of day they're going to be 11 players chasing after 11 far superior players with far a far superior setup with no atmosphere to kind of fall back on the heat of the moment argument when you're facing a yellow or red card i think we win and we win big i'm more on your side right yeah the one thing that andy yeah, the, well, the one thing that Andy says through through that, really, Phil, um, is getting this thing done as quickly as possible and focusing on next season, essentially. But do you think it's going to be that straightforward? No, I, I, I'm right. I'm hoping Andy's right. Genuinely, I hope he's he's right. Yeah. I do believe the team are going to put a huge effort into just getting the two wins that mathematically secures the league and, and puts it to bed, right? Because I think once they get those, once they get the wins and get it over the line, suddenly they be, they get this freedom and this like there's, there's nothing really left to play for. But they get that becomes a freedom of expression and it means that the players are totally relaxed going into games and look to put on a display, knowing that the best chance they can give their fans who aren't in the stadiums, who aren't there cheering them on, is to put on the best show they possibly can on the pitch. For me, like going into this game, this game is 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 a freak. This the next two games are complete freaks, right? It's never happened where teams have taken three months off in the middle of a season, more or less got every single player that was injured back that was ready to go, had a massive yeah. break, and then yeah. are expected to pick back up two thirds of the way through a season. So nobody knows what happens next. Right, and, and and this is where the unknown for the for particularly the first games or the first two games until the players p- figure out their own rhythm and how to play in, in sort of alien atmospheres where there's no where, where there's no fans. That and that's the, that's the lottery card that's thrown in here, and that's where this game in particular is probably going to be very different to how we approach the next games and the next games and the next games. I like the way we've we've actually gone to Anfield and played those behind closed door friendlies, but played them in Anfield so the players got used to playing there with no fans. Like for to be fair to the Everton players, they're going to be used to playing in a stadium with no noise. In fact, <laughs> like let's be real about it. Like, Everton fans are essentially real life Karens. You know the Karen memes that are on 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 social media, right? They're basically just the greatest share of moaning about everything ever. It would be a release for the Everton players to not have Could to listen be. to them. Could no, be. honestly, it will. They, the Everton players for the first time, I'd say in thirty years in a derby, will be able to play without any pressure because they won't have the most demoniest shout of wankers to ever exist as a bunch of, uh, of fans, right, in a, in a derby. And I actually think having them in Goodison, having the fans in Goodison Park, if I was Liverpool, I would have been begging to have the fans, the Everton fans back in Goodison Park because I think they're our 12th man when we play there because they're just... They're just a terrible bunch of fans. They're just a horrible, horrible bunch of fans, right? That they don't really support the team when the when the derby is on. They just spend their whole time giving out about them, and all they want to be is Joe Royal's dogs of war, going around kicking lumps out of each other. But that's when the occasion overtakes everything, and that's why they always freeze. So in a way, I think this is a, a mental release for the Everton players, which is a bit dangerous for us because it may be their 
one chance every 20 years to beat us in a derby. Do you know what I mean? And it may just be because they're catching us cold where we've no rhythm. And our team is a team that plays, that likes to play with rhythm. And you can always see a club team. It always takes a couple of games to get them into the stride. Now, when they're destroyed, they're really, really strong. But it's always those couple of games to get into the stride that we've looked slow and lethargical. And maybe, and it's generally in preseason because you know the way normally when we get to the last preseason friendly, the team is flying at that stage and comes out of the traps and, and, and you can see what it looks like for the start of the season. And that would be my only fear around this. But I, I do I do concede to Andy's point, and I've, I've said it myself all the way along, I think the mentality of Klopp here is going to be, we need six points, right? That's all it is. That starts with the next game. We've got nothing else to play for, bar six points. Yeah, so and I think get, if we can get the six points, obviously it means that we're at a distinct advantage really for next season because we're going to start seeing some of the fringe players who he's going to want to call upon next season, the likes of Cater, the likes of Minamino. Um, and by doing so, I mean, yeah, there's other there's other teams like City who've, who've got nothing really to play for in the league, but they have got the resumption of the Champions League on the horizon. They've got the FA Cup to contend with. So we will probably be in quite a unique position whereby we've 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 met our objective. We've got the league wrapped up and then really those last, you know, half a dozen games or so really are the start of next season's planning already, which 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 is gonna be to me a like the almost a the, the biggest bonus out of all of this, knowing that we've got the the league pretty much uh, wrapped up. But if if you do go beyond the Everton game, Andy, um, uh, I mean, look, we we don't know what Man City are going to do. We're going to assume for the purposes of this that um, Man City win their games, but that's not a given. You know, things might look very different uh, after Wednesday night if Arsenal go and do a job. Mm. Um, but but assuming they do win, um, do you think we get the two wins out of the first three games? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I honestly do think we'll be be Everton um, handy enough. Uh, look, could be proven completely wrong here, and we get beaten. And you know, Phil makes some good points there. But um, I think I'd be more concerned about losing a home then to the Palace, the Palace because. Um, you know that we don't have the advantage of Anfield, which which the the fans always get behind the team as well, and it's going to be unusual playing at Anfield without the fans. That's going to feel alien to them, and I know it's a lot of com- comments coming out of the players. They you know they feel disappointed about that, but they you know they're going to try and get the job done and get the job done early. I think I think we should win the two games, and it won't matter what happens with City. Okay, Sky are probably hoping for a, a blockbuster uh, viewing. When we do play City, but yeah, I, I honestly yeah. think it'd be uh, it'll be to see the guard of honor. I mean, the thing is about um, what we saw in the early stages of the Bundesliga is that home advantage really was um, reduced massively. And Pal- Palace, you know, I know we're looking ahead a little bit, but Palace are, are no bad side when it comes to playing away from home. Um, Pete, I mean, do you think we have to stretch this out to maybe Man City or even further on into the Villa game? No, I think it'll be done and dusted early. I honestly, I, I honestly believe that 
you know, people's moods are reflected in, in the things that the clubs say. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I can't see where many clubs are going to be motivated. The motivated clubs to come back are the ones you'd suspect. So, obviously, you've got Liverpool, you've got your Sheffield Uniteds, and then you go down to the likes of, um, I suppose, Aston Villa, who feel that they've got something to play for. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think, Man- I said this last week, I genuinely don't believe that Man- Manchester City, for example, are motivated to play. I think Manchester United are motivated to play because they want to they get into that Champions League as will Chelsea be but I genuinely think a lot of these clubs uh, a lot of the players you know people are human beings you know you, you, we don't like the likes of Danny Rose but if you're him in that side you're thinking what the fuck do I want to come back and play the rest of this league for we're having a shit season and I just I just wanted to be done give him the trophy I know it's not the right um, it's not the right stance but it's a reflect it's a fair reflection Brighton didn't want to play you know and this is the way I look at it I honestly think we're going to come back all guns blazing and we're going to just I, I, I can see Arsenal getting something against City and I can see it being done game one honestly mm-hmm. yeah I mean Arsenal um, this this will come on Wednesday for Man City and then I think they play is it Burnley after that at the weekend although that game is now after the um, it's on the Monday night after the Everton game. So we have also got the possibility of this scenario where we win the league when we're not even playing the game coming and being factored in as well. I mean, uh, you know, games like Manchester City against Burnley, to me, um, are a little, a little bit more open and uncertain than maybe they would have been previously. Would you agree, Phil? Well, for me, Ray, it's like, you know, at the start of a season when all these shit teams think they're actually decent and the sun is yeah. out and they try to play football, right? Yeah. The only difference now is that uh, as much as points count back then, points count double now at this stage for the likes of Bournemouth and Villas and Everton's and West Ham's and Crystal Palace's. Like, all these lads who potentially could get relegated. And the mad thing is that there's, there's nine games. There's 27 points here to play for. Hell right? of a lot of points, yeah. It's a, like, there is, there is very much the potential that a team that looks safe at this moment in time cannot deal with what's going on and fall. It wouldn't surprise me if Spurs get relegated. Yeah. Uh, but it's quite possible Norwich could stay up. You know, nine games, you know, we've seen you might, glimmers you from might, them, haven't we? But right, you might think on being glib here, it wouldn't surprise me if Spurs got relegated. That team. <laughs> Has been in free fall. Mm. This is what they months. do. This is what they do. This stage of the season as well. This is what and, they and do. not just that. They, this team has been in that team has been in free fall since three months before that Champions League final. If you look at Spurs' form, right, they're uh, on. They're basically on the form of a Steve Bruce, Birmingham City side at this point in time, and they are literally heading nowhere. And you, I look at this and say, there's always one one team that drops like a stone and all of a sudden they're in massive trouble and I don't think that team has the balls between them to get out of trouble if they get into it so I, I, as, as an outsider I think Spurs will get relegated Wow you take it fair odds with that I mean I, I do think there's going to be some major major shocks I think the bookies are probably going to have some difficulties in pricing some of these games up over the next few weeks because it's just it's so, it's so unique you know we're playing in summer months I mean some of these games could be you know we don't know what you know what what the temperature is going to be like in some of these games in the height of summer you know we can get some pretty hot days particularly down in london so um you know we might see things like drinks breaks being introduced i never thought i would be watching liverpool playing a <laughs> a premier league game at home uh, on my birthday in july it's just it it really is 
the it's going to be a really crazy few weeks. The players look to the captain. The captain looks to the manager, and the manager looks to you. It's time to be heard. Pitch is the new app that gives football fans the voice you deserve. Get your views sent straight to media pundits, commentators, and the club you love. From dodgy penalties to rating match performance, make your opinion count. The manager's looking to sub him off, and the fans agree. Download the Pitch app for free today. Be heard. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. And now, during the Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep, all Tempur-Pedic mattresses are on sale, with savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Get your best sleep, all night, every night. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. But um, one of the other crazy things that I seen today um, was this talk. Um, I'm still half not believing it, to be honest with you. But the talk that um, in Dublin here at the RDS, there's going to be uh, a drive-in cinema style big screen it's not, show. It's not talk. It's not talk. It's happening. You can it's buy fact, your tickets. Is it? It's fact. Yeah. yeah. And so there's apparently your- room for 200 cars um, at the RDS on Sunday evening, uh, seven o'clock kickoff. Um, no alcohol, apparently hard to know how they're going to place that <laughs> with social distancing. Um, don't know how people are going to manage when that alcohol takes its natural effect and people need to go to the toilet half time. But, um, Phil, is this the future for you? Um, you know, could this be something we see, uh, in Stanley park in that massive car park, uh, next season? What, what, Red- what do you think to it? I think it's mad that. Dublin is leading the way for Liverpool to get fans out for celebrating the league win. It's mm-hmm. right. It's Father's Day. So they've said, well, what's the big game? The big game is obviously the Merseyside Derby, right? Now, you think of the size of the Liverpool fan base in this country. This thing is going to be sold out in, in seconds, right? I will, yeah. I know. And people will be selling spots in the cars as well tomorrow, I would imagine. I know. Like, if you can get four lads into a car, that's 800. That's potentially 3,500 Liverpool fans being able to go out and watch the Merseyside Derby. Right now, I know it says mass gatherings are bad and all that type of stuff, um, and they're right, um, and we, it shouldn't really be used this way. But like lads, let's be honest about it. We haven't been out in months. Yeah, it is the first real opportunity we're going to get out with our mates. We'll all have um, water bottles full of gin and tonics and mm-hmm. other substances, right? And you'll go along. One will be the designated Desi. He can have the old Heineken zeros and pretend he's drinking with the rest of you, and then the rest can have the party in the back and. If if they did this for all the matches, the RDS would probably make more money off that than they will off the Leinster games. Because if imagine if they charge per head in the car. So three thousand and you put thirty quid a head, that's uh nine something. And right, the it's money. And then there's but like you you talk about it and say that's a brilliant idea. Then I thought to myself, and I was saying this just before we came on the call, the the Stanley Park thing is real to me. Because I looked it up and I remember seeing something a few weeks back when the Danish league started back that they they had done this for the fans. So they had used the car park as a drive-through for the fans to go and watch the matches. The home fans, and it's only home fans only, were allowed to go to the car park. I think it was a 1,000 or 2,000 of fans were able to go to the, to the car park and watch the match on a big screen. And what it did was it created, so it's not the normal fan noise, 
but the teams could hear the sound of the fans in the ground. Course, so when, yeah. Yeah. when the match was being broadcast, while it wasn't the same roar that you'd hear in the ground, you could hear audible sounds of when the action was going on. So you could hear that palpable, yeah, you know, that scream of something's going wrong. You could hear people giving out on the outside. And I thought to myself, well, isn't that a brilliant idea? Now imagine Stanley Park, which is, hard, which is between both Goodison and Liverpool, right? If they put up a joint screen there and put and, and were logical about this and said, right, a thousand cars, that's it, no more, right? You will get some level of fandom, not in the grounds, not in those, but in a safe environment. They're in their own cars, they're watching the match, and that's it, right? And I think that logically, this is we, we keep talking about the new norm and how do we get people involved in events and how do we keep people engaged in events and keep that social part of our lives alive. This is a way of doing it, whether whether we agree with it or don't agree. Which make the wear masks in the car if, we, if if people are worried about and all that type of stuff. And I'm all for it, but isn't it? Wouldn't it be better to create this realistic atmosphere and this realistic ability to, for fans to watch it in, it in the environment they want to see in it than this idea of everyone having to sit at home and what, like just watch it on their own? And yeah, pretend. I think so. I mean, look, it has its. It, I'm sure it has its doubters. Um, it still feels maybe not necessarily appropriate. Um, it may to some people feel a little bit early, but certainly, um, look, if it is a success, uh, at, you know, this weekend, then I can see it becoming a permanent fixture um, whilst pubs okay. are, are at, the, are at a, a more limited capacity. What about yourself, Andy? Just just before, Andy, just before, because I, I wanted to throw this over to you, right, because this is my idea I had coming off this, and I'm hoping Peter Moores is listening because he is a fan of the show, right? Fair play. So you, you know the way we're worried about parades and um, the way they don't, like obviously we can't parade the trophy around Liverpool because they don't want people out in the streets, right? How about, right, they do it like a Patrick's Day parade, except everyone gets to go in their cars and follow the bus around the city. So it's like a joint conga line. Of fans <laughs> following the bus. Well, Congo is acceptable, obviously, by the British government because on VE Day, I think half of the bloody country was Congo and up it's and down. Quite, so, yeah, you have, good you idea. Have, you have this automobile Congo line which is going to drive around Liverpool celebrating. The, the, the team can be on the bus showing the trophy and all the fans and the cars behind them. It'll be almost like a St. Patrick's Day parade, except the cars. Um, and that's what I wanted to say, Andy, because you're better at visualizing these things and coming up with ideas around this type of stuff. But how would how would you improve that as an idea, like to make a real parade where everyone's in the parade? Uh, re- realistically, I think we just need to hold off till it's safe to celebrate properly, and then do it then and do it right. Um, I can't see the club or any club in England running with the idea of creating a mass gathering. Uh, they're doing their very very best to avoid that. We don't really have that problem here um the you know the, the irish event organizers wouldn't be thinking along the lines of people going bananas and marching they obviously physically can't march up to the ground and uh the the premier league the police uh and the clubs will be they, they won't encourage any sort of gathering whatsoever even if it meant it was miles away from the ground, it just won't. I just can't see it happening. So I think I think we'll kind of have to forget about that for the time being. As regards it happening here, I can see I can see people's interest in it. I think it'd be a good thing for a family to go to. But uh, yeah, I, I just I think I, that's probably the idea they're trying to yeah. obviously um, promote because of, you know we're still supposed to be within you know 
limited household. Yeah. So it's probably not supposed to be designed for, you know, the likes of all of us to get in a car next Sunday, you know? Yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be far easier to, to, you know, get together with um, a few of your closest mates, four different families, whatever the rules are at the moment, and get, get ourselves out in the back garden, put the TV out there and do it that way and enjoy a drink and at least you can go in and have a piss rather than be sitting in the car <laughs> uh, sweating with your mates uh, with masks on and goggles and <laughs> plastic <laughs> aprons and gloves and, and what, whatever else. And there's kind of uh, sipping cans and now... Uh, <laughs> And I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be the designated driver there either, uh, and having lads like fucking piss themselves in my car. So, uh, I think. And do you have tickets to it? Do you want to go? No. Nah. Are you driving? Uh, yeah. <laughs> would you? Would you? Do, I think. Yeah. No. I've tickets to it. I'm going to. Hey, well, good luck to you. Take loads of pictures. Uh, it's around the corner from you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You are close, yeah. I suppose. The, the other, I mean, my view on maybe in terms of trying to organize, maybe we could organize in Liverpool some kind of parade under the guise of a protest. <laughs> so we could go out there to protest <laughs> about against sort of, but really we're out there to celebrate us winning the league. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and obviously, like, and we get on. away with it because we see yeah. that protests are being allowed now. Could we protest and protect the statue of Shankly outside yeah. outside Anfield? Yeah. yeah, and the new and the new statue of Bob Paisley as well, carrying Emlyn Hughes. Yeah, oh, it's a cracking statue. Yeah. statue. Yeah, there's definitely like, there's definitely scope there. Because um, we have to protect it from the Evertonians who are, who are looking to exactly. tear down the statue of Bob Shankly. Have we come here? You know this this idea of um, the the big parks showing them. Could they not create? social distancing pens where people are in whatever, a couple of metres squared boxes. In their like they've done in France. Did they? I they, don't and, know. And then if and you're yeah, going... No, they, they have, Andy, Andy, they've done it in, in, in Central Park in New York and in France. There's a circle, a two metre wide circle, right? Yeah. That people are able to sit in um, in the park and it doesn't matter. You can, like you can have two or three people in the two. Like if obviously from the same household, you yeah. can be in, in that circle, or whatever, right? So they have created these circles. So you could you could have a whole park full of people in these circles and put a huge screen up. And once people stay in the circles, it's it's it's, it's a good. Yeah, way and then it. if they just had uh, an exit out of you know lanes where you could pop out your circle and queue in two meter distances for your pieces, and you know, on that way in your in your little pen in pop, the bush. What? Well, they could just I don't know. They, I'm sure they can work it out. And then you could have your little picnic of loads of cans. <laughs> With Leo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up to Fino. Yeah. <laughs> <That must be. laughs> but um, I, listen, I'm more than happy. We've we've got probably four games, right, Max, before the league is won. And yeah. um, I would be, I would be encouraging my mates anyway. Uh, you know, and a few of the lads in the pod and that to, to just host host little back garden events until we win the league and and then just let off loads of smoke bombs. <laughs> <laughs> but will you be watching all nine games, Andy? That's the question. Once this league's wrapped up, will you will your interest wane a little bit or will you uh ah, no. will you absolutely, watch it all the way? Absolutely through? not. No way. No chance. <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be it's it's a long long time since we watched a um a league game as champions. My you know my first my first um 
my first game at Anfield ever was when we were champions. So we'll be all it'd be so sweet just taking it in once we've done it. And every every team having to bow down to us. It's gonna be fucking great, boys. <laughs> and Pete, I mean, we've obviously waited a long, long time for this. Um and you know, all of the uh, null and voiders now are you know, absolutely back in their caves uh, and really don't want to look out over the next uh, month and a half, month and three quarters. Um, I mean, will you savour this game in, game out, all the way up to the every, end till we get last, to Newcastle? Every, every last minute. And i tell you what, what what else I'm waiting for because, of course, we were all paying attention to the likes of, uh, you know, some of the petitions. There was a major petition um, by, I think... You were. Uh, yeah, Where one of them. One of, the, one of the major Man City journalists decided he was going to put, uh, throw a petition down to the Premier League. And I'm just wondering if the same, and I keep asking asking him actually, if he's going to start a petition to null and void uh, and cancel the Champions League. You know, I mean, all, I'm, I'm really, I'll be honest with you, I'm really going to ride this. I'm going to enjoy this. I, I've said this at the start of the season, before all this madness kicked off with the, with the, with the virus. I, this season... Yeah, because I haven't enjoyed a season in many, many seasons. None of us have, really. I just hope it goes on forever and ever. And the fact that it's sadly been postponed a little bit, just, you know, there is a sweet kick to it. That means it just goes on. I mean, we've been top of the league for what feels like an eternity. Almost a 20, year. Exactly. Yeah. 25 clear, points clear that league. doesn't matter what all these numbskulls turn around and say. I mean... The, do, I mean, I would actually go as far as to say that if the league, if they just allowed the rest of the teams to come back and said Liverpool, okay, that's your lot, you're done. I would actually stand in front of anyone and say, okay, none of these will catch us, even on the points that we've got now. Yeah, would, not uh, not not playing another game. You mean we we no only, one's going to get there? Yeah, Liverpool yeah. were the only side allowed not to go back and play for some bizarre yeah. reason. Yeah. Or I would say, okay. None of you are going to catch us. You take the, you take your yeah. chances. I'd say, listen, I'd be nervous, but I'd say you're not going to catch us. You're not going to catch us. That's how dominant we've been. That you can actually say, listen, I tell you, you want you want it, you want it cancelled, and you're worried about Liverpool fans. We just won't play. Mm. <laughs> you know, part of me that would love to love to see that. Obviously, you know, get this. You know, we need to get the points on the board, but we're that dominant that I would I'd almost wager that. So yeah, let's see. I, I, I think. I have to say, Pete, and, and, and I know Ray, we haven't talked specifically about the team or what we expect to see at the weekend. But like, you look at this, and this is the first time since Klopp has been there that every single player on that team would have had a proper rest before a game kicks off. Mm, we've yeah. never had that. Never, yeah. ever had that. Right? I, I think Af- I African think- Nations, World Cups, European Championships, that's been going on. If you look at the amount of football that both Mane and Salah has played over the last three years and the standards they've, they've met while not getting those rests... I think we will potentially see the Salah of two years ago because the last rest he got was the year he signed was the was the summer before he signed for us, right? And Mane similar the summer before he signed for us at Southampton, and we're going to see two players that have had the rest that they haven't been able to have in the same way Van Dijk has, hasn't had any rest, and I, I I potentially like whatever about the the force game. I think the levels that that team could reach before the end of the season in terms of the the the, the um. The football that we're potentially going to see is going to be off the charts. It's going yeah, to literally I, be off the charts. 
I think the reality is um, for, for a lot of these players, uh, not just Liverpool players, but, but but players in general, you know, this will be the longest break of their careers um, that they've had and that they will have. You know, when you factor in when a season generally finishes and when pre-season starts. So to get this amount of time off uh, of football um, and competitive matches is is, is going to be an absolute one-off. Um, with that in mind, obviously, we, we didn't, uh, you, you couldn't really say there was anyone of major significance um, out um, except for the goalkeeper, really, when we uh, when we stopped playing in March. For other teams, it's a little bit different. Some, some teams have got uh, big players back that they may not have expected uh, for the rest of the season. So it's, it's been, you know, that, that'll be a big boost for them. But Andy, do you expect any, any surprises whatsoever? Or do you, do you expect the, the team on Sunday to be fairly straightforward in terms of selection? Yeah, I, th- I think it'd be, yeah, I can't imagine it being anything other than what we know is our kind of a strongest 11. Um, and going with the pictures that are being released, I think the players are all looking in good shape. You, you can see some pictures of other players across other clubs looking huge. That they've, <laughs> they've been on the COVID diet like most of us. Um, but I think Klopp has just kept all the players the whole along fit and in good form. I mean, I know I know the stuff like the Zoom training sessions that went on, like they're all a bit, mm. bit choreographed and everything else. But I think the team have been having a lot of fun and probably never lost focus. It's the biggest season of most of their lives. Um, so I'd say they're all going to be dying to get back and I can't see other, anything, you know, any major surprise in the team selection. I think once it's done and dusted, you won't be able to predict an, um, an 11 for the rest of the season. But um, yeah. And you think for the first couple of games, at least the games until we uh, get the league uh, secured, you think the centre-back partnership is going to be Van Dijk and Gomez? Yeah, yeah. And unless, unless just for whatever reason, just in training, there's players just not quite there with their, you know, with the um, with their numbers that the idea, you know, that Klopp does need to maybe leave someone mm-hmm. out for a couple of weeks. Sometimes players can't take a while to get back to hundred percent, but um, it'll be it'll be the best fittest team available. Absolutely. And sometimes Gomez can take a while to get back after he's been injured. But um, yeah, I, I would expect it to be Alisson Gomez, Van Dijk, Robbo, Trent, Hendo, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, and then the three boys. I would expect that. Yeah. Uh, Pete, uh, one player who was struggling before we finished um, in March uh, was Fabinho. Um, he wasn't really... Uh, what we'd what we'd come accustomed to um you know he ended 2019 with us all talking about him being in Liverpool's team of the decade and then uh exactly then the injury comes and he never really got back to where we you know where we would have expected him to be but do you still do you think he's he's back as yeah I I find the first names on the team sheet I find with long rangey players, it's, you know, it, we all play this game. If you're a small, stocky lad, you know, five, six, I played with plenty of lads like that. And, you know, they could be out for months and come back and hit the ground running. I often found that whenever I had problems, if I had muscle problems and I was out for a few weeks, it took me a 
good few games to really do what I was capable of doing. And at that level, you know, where everyone's flying around you, you're at everybody's cup final. Yeah. You know, and then and in the position that Fabinho plays, it's his job to read, anticipate, to think first, you know, before anyone else makes that. You have to be in a very, very specific rhythm. I think it's... Yeah. Each position has to be judged differently, but the position and the way Fabinho plays—he's pulling strings, he's two and three moves ahead like a chess player. When he's, but you you have to be at your physical physical optimum to to do what he does effectively. So, I, I he need like a bit like what Ray was, or what uh, Andy was saying. He's one of those players. I think like Gomez that needs to revel. Gomez is the best example I can give you. He needs to revel probably more than anyone else. But Fabinho, I think, is in that in that category as well. Yeah, you see, I, I don't feel... think I don't think Fabinho got to quite get back to his normal type of game when he got back into the team. You, you know, you remember that once Fabinho got injured, Henderson's style in that position is totally different. Um, Fabinho likes to chase the ball. He likes to get involved. He likes to come flying out of that position. He's very proactive. He wants to win the ball up high. And we'd stopped doing that. And I would imagine Klopp has probably had to say to him that we don't want you chasing the ball down. You're coming back from injury, especially. We want you sitting a little bit. And that's where he's probably a little bit hampered in that way. But he's got, an, he's got a lot of time now to get his fitness back together. But it all really depends on what Klopp wants to do tactically. He could very well end up with Henderson playing deeper and then just going with Milner midfield or Keita. I don't know about Milner, but I I think you look at the way things are. I mean, Phil says, you know, points count double at this stage of the season, and they do. I don't see anybody flying at us. Everton will fly at us, you know, because they don't they won't want to they won't want to lose. Or rather, they, when I say fly at us, they'll 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 sit back and and not allow us any space. But teams teams are saying to Liverpool now, if we get a point off you, it's a bonus because not many not many do. So don't expect anyone to. To commit, we have teams when they commit to attacking us. I, I, I mean, every every time I see a team fly at Liverpool, I always think, "Yeah, we've got you now." It's the teams, the teams that cause us the most problems are the Crystal Palaces of this world that sit off and say, "Come on, break us down." Newcastle did it, Southampton did it this year. They just sat off and said, "We're not going to play." You, you know, you're going to have to force a mistake here. And I, I honestly think it's it's sometimes maybe Fabinho, you know. Probably looks a little bit, I don't want to use the word, but redundant. And that's why Henderson probably looks more apt in that because, you know, because he's pushing on, because of his style. I, I, don't, I don't expect, you know, you forget what Liverpool are until you watch them. Liverpool are a team to be feared. They've got pace all over the, of the place and people just sit off and say, come and break us down. So, you know, it's, it's I, I, we're, somebody made the point today was Graham Soonest that Liverpool are, Years, not just head and shoulder, but they're years ahead of other teams. And I tend to agree. Can't see anyone attacking us but Man City. Yeah, Phil, I mean, and I think it was Andy mentioned earlier about the five subs. Um, mm-hmm. We'll come on to, we'll close things out in a little while about uh, links with other players. But which players do you think are going to benefit from those five subs over the course of the, more so the closing weeks, I'd, I'd say? I mean, do you see some of the, yeah, some of the think- fringe players getting minutes? I, th- I think it'll be good to see Sacco back, um, Pacheco, Pacheco drawn, along with Suso. I think they're the ones who'll benefit the most. Out and Grujic. Well, Grujic, like, he's allowed to come back on June 30th. And poor Kleine, Klein, 
Kleine Kleine is getting he he get he's getting the sack. He was literally Donald Trump out of the place. I don't know what went on there, but and which surprised me because I thought he was the best backup fullback we had, like natural fullback. But anyway, that's hitting here here. I think the likes of Curtis Jones, Nico Williams, um, the Larucci lad, um. They're the type of players, those three players, those three young players, and Hoover, I think, Hoover, the, yeah. Henry de Hoover. I think those three lads will get games as once the league is sewn up because they look like they're on the verge of of, of, of challenging for a squad place next season, right? And I think if, if Grujic was back, the his, the levels he's reached in Germany, I did, given the fact that we've, we're putting out there that we're not spending any money and we, because we're too worried about what this is going to have an impact on income lines and all that type of stuff. I think Grudge becomes a real live, um, squad player for us next year and with the potential to battle for one of those midfield spots. But like for me, the, 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 the it's what do we do in the front three? I think Minamino gets, gets games. I think Minamino is going to be a bonus for us, right? He, we wouldn't have seen the best out of him until next September or so normally, but because of what's going on, I think we get to see him play more games than we would have and it potentially gives him that that bedding in period that he was missing out on because we were out of the, the FA Cup and, and, you know, and, and probably the pressure of the games until we won the league. Now he gets in, he's done the, he's, he's almost done a full preseason before the mm. preseason starts. Yeah. And he's up to speed with what's going on. And he looked lively in the Blackburn game. He scored his goal. And, you know, that's what we expected to bring him in. Um, and well, every me, game he played, every game that Minamino's been part of, he's either played games, you know, like the FA Cup games, which haven't been ideal, um, or he's come on in, in scenarios that have been. He just he just hasn't had the opportunity to really show um, what he's what he's truly worth. And I think you know it would be very easy to start jumping on his back, but but as you say, Phil, it is the perfect opportunity for him to um, to show that he has got. You know, a future at the club next season and beyond. What, what I, what I saw, what, sorry, Phil. And it just, just, just when, 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 just, just let me do. When I saw us linked with Werner, and I, I, in my head, I saw right. We have Origi, Werner, and Minamino as essentially our front three when the African Nations Cup is on next January. With Firmino to come in and out as well, right? And and, and that was when, when we were linked with it. And now I've I've looked at it and said, well, you still have two of them, and you probably have Brewster back off loan, and they become our live. Um, rotational options with the other three that are there, and you've got plenty of cover there. When you when you step back at it, look at it, if if two of them can do a seventy five percent job of the of the other three, you've got enough cover to take you into the new season. Sorry, I just. Uh, but the Africa, the, that's not going ahead now, though, is it? No, it's been postponed. Yeah. So, definitely been postponed. Yeah, yeah, I think once the club kind of got wind of that, that was another factor in not signing uh, Werner, but. Like that, I was just on the point about Minamino. Quite often, he's kind of been the fourth sub. He's become the latest um, kind of Robertson, Shakiri, uh, Ox. What have they got to do, Kate, to try and get into this team? So yeah. you've got five yeah. subs now, and and people were giving out, say, Lalana getting a shout ahead of him because he's got he'll be gone at the end of the season. Now Lalana could come on and so can um so can Minamino. Minamino. So yeah. that, I think your original question was just about who the most the beneficiaries are. I think it's it's got to be the young players and then it's got to be the likes of uh the players that you're saying, you know, what's he got to do? Probably see Shakiri feature as well. And I don't know, can we play three goalkeepers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean Carries has um, come yeah. back. <laughs> Oh uh, my god! I thought you meant Andy Lonigan. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Lonigan. Andy Lonigan is criminally underrated. 
Yeah, he's a good, he's a good goalkeeper. I agree. He's a very good goalkeeper. He did amazing that preseason friendly in the US, do you remember? Mm. That's how he made the best save in yeah. the world. I think he's excellent. Yeah, I mean, there's actually some scope here to give some of these lads opportunities to win a win a league medal that otherwise wouldn't have existed. You know, with the five subs and the number of appearances that you have to have to qualify for a, a league Dovran medal. Gets, so, Dovran gets a league medal. Can you imagine the fume that that in itself just yeah. generate? I, think I mean, look, the fact, already, that, the, fact that, the fact that Henderson is going to lift the trophy, I think that you'll see the fume from space, to be quite honest with you. Come here, who's, uh, <laughs> who's running the Liverpool Twitter account that actually uh, showcased a Lovren, a Lovren bad touch and torn? I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> Someone who's never played football before, ever, to be honest. He literally took a bad touch that bounced up off nearly up over his ankle <laughs> and then did a turn and uh, like he sent the Blackburn player for the, the Herald. But <laughs> it seemed to be the slowest start of roll turn ever, you know. And, uh, that's fucking brilliant. I think he's on, I think whoever it is on the wind up. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely he just went yeah yeah this is classic we'll go with this one yeah. <laughs> I think they know I think they know exactly what's going to get a reaction out there but just I suppose for the last sort of uh, five or ten minutes before we wrap this up we're just going to I guess touch on um, the transfer market and obviously a lot of links over the last week um, uh, and still divided opinion I think on uh, Coutinho uh, what, what want, sort of want, price want, you would be available at Phil I wanted to talk about swimming cloaks because I'm far more interested in, in the world of outdoor robe wear because it's, it's they're, they're phenomenal they're fleece lined they have pockets everywhere waterproof you cannot beat them and isn't it mad Phil puts Coutinho on the agenda and then wants to talk about something completely different? <laughs> I think that, I think he put him on just to say we were going to talk about but I think Phil's one of those, stop talking about Coutinho. <laughs> Come here. Like, this Coutinho thing has has been done to absolute death. Everything that can be possibly said about Coutinho has been said. I'd be surprised if there was anyone that hasn't said, you know, if you listen, looked at what everybody has said, it's all being said. Mm. Um, and one thing we, we don't know is how Klopp feels about the situation. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. So the only the only situation that we end up having Coutinho back is one we can afford whatever deal is on the table, and that everything is cool between Coutinho, Klopp, and the and the players. If he was to come back, I would have no doubt in my mind that a lot of what we read and heard wasn't true. I mean, we are, you would have to think so, yeah, yeah because it was far too damaging to, to ever yeah. consider. Klopp you would know, never, uh, Klopp would never have a player back who genuinely refused to play, who genuinely faked injury without scans showing up, mm. scar tissue, or without a genuine concern for you know that the player was sore. If you, if a player was clear as day and said to the manager, "I want to go to Barcelona," if the opportunity to, to go to Barcelona ever comes up. And I, and I want to go. Don't deny me that opportunity. And the club kind of agree, and then they renege on it. I mean, 
a player, especially in this day and age with the power, will do absolutely everything. You know, Suarez was only fucking sure to stand it up and pissing on fucking the Shangri statue to get his move. <laughs> so, so well, Suarez would eat his own young. He absolutely would. <laughs> so, um, like, if Coutinho did come back, I, I think we can be fairly certain a lot of the stuff we 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 thought we believed to be true wasn't true. So, I do, I don't think there's much of a debate after that. I mean. How can you forgive a player or um not or are you how can you be unwilling to forgive a player if they I didn't think, do I, half I, the I, stuff you're you claiming know, he did? What, what you're saying, Andy, is right, essentially. I mean, but it's, it comes from somewhere. Sometimes it's a little bit of a game, sometimes between the, between the club and you know, supporters associations where you have to okay, you've got at the time our arguably our most prized asset, and you've got to justify to those supporters why we have no why choice let, yeah. to, to, but to let him go it's a little bit of a game there's, there's too much PR in football and I think you're absolutely right if it happens it happens I find if I'm honest with you it's almost futile to speculate about uh, Liverpool transfers because they're planned two and three windows in advance now in saying that this is an unprecedented unprecedented situation I think the mm. plan for this window is probably been damaged 40 to 50 percent and we've you know a lot of people were criticizing the furlough including myself a lot of people criticizing the clubs moving towards furlough but you're now going to see why the clubs wanted to do that because all of the deals now are going to be swap or loan deals you might have your chelsea you might have your manchester cities who seem to be able to spend whatever the hell they want and and you know without with impunity however what you're going to see is everything change. This, the, 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 I think a lot of the financial implications being completely played down again for the same reasons for PR. So if Coutinho is coming back, he's either it's either a part of the plan or it isn't. There's no amount of fan polls or opinions out there going to change. Edwards is organised. Klopp is organised. That little committee is organised. They've made their decision, and I think you're right. The fact that it's even out there in the public domain means that the damage, exactly what you're saying, Andy, is probably just a lot of PR smoke. Mm. Mm. I mean, I does, say, does this come down to value at the end of the day? Is it is it because the, right. the, the 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 price point has got has come down so much based on what's happened to Coutinho over the last few months, mm. Phil? Look at the end of the day. If if there's a deal to be done and we're going to get value out of the deal, that's going to be done. But the interesting thing, I just think that the the Coutinho price point reflected a specific type of player that Barcelona thought they were buying. They thought they were yeah. buying Iniesta's air or Xavi's air. Not many teams play with that style of midfield, so it limits who potentially could pick him up. And in reality. If he goes to a Newcastle or something, he's not going to be in a position to play Champions League football. I don't think no. he wants to go there. Potentially, maybe only Chelsea in England would want to bring him in. United probably throw him into the, the absolute cat's abortion of a midfield that they're trying to put together. There, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they're basically just signing all the same players, variations of the same players from around the world, essentially, in, in, and, and shoehorn them into midfield. And then maybe Arsenal, because they don't like winning and they don't like... They're just like having lots of nice footballers knocking around the pitch. But like, <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> Apart from apart from that, like, I don't really see. It. I think seriously, I think that there's more st- chance of me going to a stage six David Seaman than there is yeah. of us. And- yeah, and I saw that, I saw that photograph. <laughs> but you, if you're Philippe Philippe Coutinho off your Liverpool right now, think about it from our perspective as a club. You know, with money being tight, do you really want to take any gambles out there? If you're going to bring someone in, you're going to I bring someone in. 
who, okay, who, I, you, who, who you know will, might complement the system that we have. You're not going to take a 50 million uh, pound gamble. And if you're Felipe Coutinho, uh, Coutinho, he cannot afford to take any more gambles with his career. No, for no, me, this is it, for it, me no. it's, it suits all around. His career is fucked. The last two years of his career have just been written off. I mean, it was a disaster. Barcelona was a disaster because it wasn't what he thought it would be, obviously. And Bayern Munich, I mean, forget about that. I mean, I, if I'm his agent, who's the biggest scoundrel in football, but if I'm him, I'm saying, listen, you cannot take any more chances. If you go to a sports and it's a disaster, that's it. You're finished. You know, the next club, you'd be lucky to sign for Birmingham City. I mean, it's that bad. So he can't yeah. take any chance. Plus, if you're Liverpool, you're not. It, the, the meeting of needs might be just about right. Might, might can, I just, right. can I just bring reality into this for a moment, right? Every I, don't summer. See what's un, I don't see what's unrealistic about what I'm saying. You're talking about somebody that has achieved something at a okay. football club. You know what I mean? Okay. I, don't I, see, I don't see it as un, unrealistic. And I think... 50% of the fans out there, I mean, fuck their opinion. It's about, oh, I think it would be a proper opinion. split. I think it would be a proper split. Yeah. But as long as he can delivers I, on the pitch, he never let us down on the pitch. Can I just bring back the reality here? Right? And this is this is the, the, the simple reality of this equation. Right? Every summer, we're linked with a player right? that we never, ever sign. And That's it goes on. Or, or two. Yeah, or two. Yeah. And, it, and it goes on relentlessly for the whole summer drags on into Christmas, becomes the winter, unless that player subsequently signs for somebody else. Werner was that player. Yeah. Okay. As soon as Werner's gone and the club has put out a statement saying it's unlikely we, we're going to do business because we're unsure what the income lines are, yeah. all of a sudden, an imaginary deal of Coutinho um, coming to the, back to Liverpool because Liverpool are owed money by Barcelona is now the done thing because some wardrobe dweller has sat there and made up the stuff that he read in an article, probably Grizz. Um, and <laughs> harsh, harsh on Grizz. <laughs> Lumping a load of um, chips into him, sitting there going, what can I make up next that sounds a bit realistic? Lashes it out there. It just takes a little bit of traction, and th- he gets the traction because there's lots, all the psycho fans are out there who just want the, want the transfer gossip and the transfer news. And then that becomes a story. Then the newspapers pick up on it, and it's clickbait. So they can add on. Add so, well. Well, do you think that is? I remember his agent is Craig Rabshin. So in his mind, any 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 publicity is good publicity. So he's prepared to drop any story if it if yeah, it generates scoundrel, absolute scoundrel. So all of this is make you pretend nonsense, and it's going to be make you pretend nonsense for the whole summer because the more the, there's greater chance of us signing Bonzo Mactubutubus from some <laughs> random team. In in Germany's fourth division, than there is of us signing anyone for money in this summer, and that will mean that Carberry Red can write a billion tweets about how <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> we hate Liverpool and FSG, <laughs> um, and then we can have loads of articles about how, despite all this, FSG are sticking money back into the Red Sox, and that. The, the, which completely negates the fact that we're rebuilding the Anfield Road end of the ground and they're yeah. also rebuilding and it. And that's anything. free, by the way. That's not costing anyone anything. Jesus Christ. And I if, mean, anyone listen, wants, if anyone wants to read the, 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 a, a, a true seam of logic that people should be looking at this transfer window 
at right and the, and football at, the, at this court moment. Read Rory Smith's New York Post, New York uh, Times article yesterday, where he was explaining that there's two classes of clubs this year with UEFA about to relax financial fair play for teams because of the coronavirus. Right, the teams that will benefit are the mega rich teams, the Manchester Cities, hmm. the Barcelonas, the Real Madrid. PSGs, right? The and it won't even be the United, it's the Chelsea's, the ones where they have mega rich owners who can fuck as much money as they possibly can into it because they have a window to do this and a, and a sanctioned window by UEFA to do this. The clubs that are being run by businesses, the Juventuses, the Bayern Munichs, the, the, the now the Manchester United, the Liverpools, the, um, the the Arsenal's, they won't be able to do it. And that's why you're going to have a two tier transfer system that goes on. You're going to have the ones like Chelsea where they can lump 50 million quid at a player. But then again, Chelsea haven't spent any money on, on for two windows, and then you're going to have then you're going to have teams like us where we have uh, at the top end of the table normally, but we're going to hold back, see what happens, and potentially if we sell a player, we will then use that money to fund a different transfer. Let, let, let me let, let me ask you a question then: what, on what tier, tier one or tier two, or based on your logic, does a Coutinho uh, transfer fit? For me, it's clear. I, I don't think Coutinho is sold to anyone this summer. I don't think that it'll be a buyer for Coutinho in the current window. I think at best he goes on a loan to another team, and I think that team. So that makes that, that makes it that makes it a tier two. I think so. Yeah, I think he's a tier three player in most clubs' eyes, and I think Coutinho ends up at PSG. If 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 Neymar if Neymar stays at PSG, I think Coutinho ends up at PSG. And Pete, what's the what's the? I mean, you you live in the city, you live in Barcelona. Like, what's yeah. the what's the word out there in terms of any the chance of Coutinho staying as a Barcelona player next the season? Fans, a lot of the fans. You must remember, Barcelona are still suffering from a Valverde headache. Everything is Valverde's fault. Anything that any point that uh, that Barca, even though Valverde hasn't been manager in six months, by the way, they everything is his fault. So the feeding towards Coutinho is. He needs to be given. He needs to be given another chance. Okay. I think that they're on the verge of writing Dembele off because they can't get him off the treatment table. Uh, but when it comes to Coutinho, he's he's like their Pogba, to be honest, or their Keita. You know, someone that you know when he arrived. You know, he, I mean, the 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 ultimate Coutinho moment for Barcelona is he hit a shot against Real Sociedad from twenty five yards, put it into the top corner. It was an important goal, and he stood there and just turned around to the crowd as if to say. You know, fuck you, kind of thing. That's hmm. the relationship that he's got. Now, in hmm, fairness, okay. I was at a couple of games where they absolutely barrack him. They barrack him for not being Iniesta. You know, it's the same as you know, who's the poor unfortunate lad that uh, Jordan Henderson. A lot of our idiots that support us that don't understand just because Jordan Henderson wears a certain short number and wears a certain uh, sorry, not a short number, but wears a captain's armband that he shouldn't be expected to be. Stephen Gerrard, but a lot yeah, of the idiots yeah. that, uh, you know, young white in English, he must be Gerrard and captain. No, they don't understand that. Coutinho is not and was never going to replace any Andrea Iniesta, even though he took his number. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of fans that do understand football because there are a lot of them amongst them that want to see him stay on, but it's just his position at Barcelona is completely untenable. Mm. Andy, would you have him back? Yes or no? Uh I thought I made myself clear on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a case of if it, I don't, I can't base my opinion on it because if if all is said to be true, if he was totally failing an injury, um, it, refusing to play, all of that shit, you have to make an example of players like that. We're we're way past the days where we should be falling over re-signing players. Liverpool can sign the 
should be able to attract the best players in the world at the moment. We shouldn't need to be going back to old loves. Um, so on that basis, I think you need to make an example that you you have your one chance here. You don't get to come back. How in saying that, if things weren't as bad as they were, and he does come back, it tells me that it tells me that things weren't weren't so bad between him and Klopp. So on that basis, then if he came back, look, fans can be split all they want. If he comes back, they'll all love him anyway, regardless. Yeah, look, he doesn't start, Andy. You know, if he comes back, no, he doesn't start. He does. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you what. Is there wrong? He does, and I tell you why. Right, the idea, the idea of the, oh, he doesn't start. It's bollocks. It's a squad game, right? And the one thing that the, uh, when I see this fucking stupid shit that was going on about Werner, oh well, he'll come in and replace this. No, he won't. He become every time we sign a player, they become part of it. Ox plays parts. Hendo gets dropped in and out. When Yaldum gets dropped in a new, Fabinho gets dropped in a new. Grow up, no. eat your conference. I think, we, I think we several but players who don't. But just we've play got, hang on, hang on, though, Andy. We've got a, a squad, a core of players in that squad. And you're right, Phil. It is a squad game. I agree with you. No one would agree with you more than I would on that. But we've got a core group of players in there that start every game. That you ask the question yourself: Why isn't that? Uh, Play, at least three or four players, four, five players probably that start every single game. Allison, Van Dijk, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane. These are automatic starters. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, if Felipe Coutinho does it, whereas he was in that group before, he doesn't go back into. Yeah, that. and it's exactly the same point I was going to make as well, Peter. He he wouldn't baby, and it was it's the logic when you think about the whole Werner thing. I thought that we were never going to be in for the likes of Sancho because he's so high profile. He's going to get a massive, massive move for massive money and he starts every single game. I thought Werner might have been the kind of happy medium where he would have been prepared to come to us, fight for his place, take the bit part involvement. He might get a run of games if someone was injured. But somebody out there, and it's, it's how it happens to be Chelsea, has been prepared to pay the big money. Pay is agent the big money, pay the big wages without any sort of incentivized um, bonuses. Whereas he ha- he comes to Liverpool and it's like an apprentice starting all over again. And that's not where Werner's career is at the moment. Someone like Coutinho could come into Liverpool and his his career is taking a bit of a two-year uh, nosedive and he would he would accept now that the club has moved on a lot. It's accelerated out well on beyond what he is. And he wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a fab for anymore. He'd be, he'd be biting and biting to try and get into the team. So, he's the player. He's the player you want. That's, can, 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 can I just, can I just, sorry Pete, I just, cause, and, and, cause listen, I have to edit this. So, I've run out of Guinness at this stage as well. But, <laughs> One thing I want to say, because we're, we're down the rabbit hole of Coutinho and what he could do, but lads, there's one thing, and Ray, I, I meant to put this on the agenda, and I apologise I didn't, and I, I'm just throwing it out there. Mo Salah, it's Mo Salah's birthday today, lads. Oh, you know we're, we're spending our time talking about Coutinho, mm. and I'd like us, and, and Ray, I want, because you, you've seen him a, a fair bit as well, and, I, and I'm, I'm throwing it to you, as, even though you're hosting, I just want to show it to you first, right? In the players that you've witnessed, and the players that you've watched play for this club, where does Salah sit for you? I know he sits for me, but where does he sit for you? Because this fella is is special. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely he's definitely top three. I mean, um, I've been privileged to go to Anfield and watch. You know, down the years, you know, the baton being passed from you know the likes of Ian Rush, and then you have you know Robbie Fowler, you have Michael Owen, you have Fernando Torres, you have Luis Suarez. For me, it's about players who score the goals and, and, and uh, you know, the most exciting parts of the pitch. Mm. Uh, and Mohamed Salah has come along. And, and, and actually, um, you know, he's actually come along at a time when we've got another fantastic player um, in Sadio Mane. But to me, uh, Mohamed Salah is definitely in the top three. I'd probably have to bump other players out who I've just mentioned out of that top three to find them a place. But... I think if you, I think you have to find a place in the top three. Um, and obviously before you even get to Ian Rush, you've the likes of Kenny Dalgleish, you, you know, Kevin Keegan before that, you know, there's just, you know, he, but he is up there. And, you know, if it come down to it, because I think, you know, we've got to be realistic in, in all of this. Um, if it comes down to the player, you know, a straight choice of having to lose one of the t- the big two to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or whatever, two years down the line, I'm going to say I, I would I would vote to keep Mohamed Salah over Sadio Mane. It's a good, it's a good point. Is the magic of the magic of Barnes and the goals of Rush? If Mohamed Salah was a white player, he'd be rated far higher than he is. And I'm sorry, it's just a point, again, uh, just institutionalised racism. I mean, I've seen this guy have the, the people on Twitter disgustingly justifying some of the things that are said. It's unbelievable. If you, if you, if, if you just looked at the, the, his, what his statistics on paper, you would think, who the hell is this guy? Why don't I watch this football? This guy must be the best player since X, Y, and Z. But the way he's discussed, the way it's debate, it's not even a debate. It's not even a debate. This is the most important player. Sorry. Yeah, you know what I the went most through my, we have. You know what went through my mind actually with with everything that's going on in the world, and it brings it back to how Liverpool fans uh, treat their players, really, um, and how they how they sort of you know they consider Grimly them part underrated. of the, and no, how they consider them part of the family. You, you go to a Liverpool game, and you will see you know, more uh, Egyptian flags at Anfield than you'll see Union Jacks. Hmm. Um, well, you won't you see know. one Union Jack at Anfield, <laughs> let's be honest. Well, there is, there is, there is one that's on the cup and it's been there a very long time, but I don't think it's uh, it's very much representative of the fan base of Union no, Jack. Um, but those guys are, are in the exact same place in the cup for, for donkey's years. But um, Andy? Yeah, what? You and Mo Salah, where 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 do you stand? Yeah, I look, look. I love him, and I don't know if I could put my finger on why he's not quite recognised up there with the greats in terms of media recognition, and and even our own fans sometimes is he can frustrate fans. There's times when he takes on a shot or he makes he makes the wrong choices, which pisses fans off. Which Russia used to do that, yeah. Which leads Russia used to do that, yeah. Fowler used to do that. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but it's true. Fowler used to do that all the time. Who used to do it? But, uh, Fowler used to do it all the time. Grew up watching Fowler, and sometimes you think, yeah, I'd always think two things about Robbie Fowler. He's going to get a chance, but he's going to not play the ball across to somebody else at one. But he will make up to make up for it by scoring a goal or two goals or three goals. Mohamed yeah. Salah does exactly the same. What is the difference between the perception of Mohamed Salah 
and the reception of Robbie Fowler. Let's get it out there, boys. Well, I'm I'm going to disagree with you there. And I, like, it's, and can, I, can I just I'm, finish I'm, my I'm, point on it? Listen, I'm only specifically making this point now in the brackets of Liverpool supporters, right? And the groans that um, we've all had at games when Salah's made the wrong choices where he, he spent the whole game taking on shots, trying to do the same thing, trying to cut in, and then he tries to play a ball into the top corner on the far side, and he skies it over. Those, I don't think those type of groans are any way linked to racism whatsoever. I do, I do take your point, Pete, because in the media, he's not recognised just like a you know an English player like Kane or whatever. But amongst the Liverpool uh, supporters specifically, I, I don't think that sort of you know but the media feed the media feeds this agenda. Was are these groans were they in the season where he scored forty four goals or where he scored two? I would say I would goals? say I would say most of this most of this would have been last season. And this because is the point I'm making. Out, uh, boy, uh, he's scoring his fourth season. His fourth season was outrageous. Okay, he didn't he didn't get off to a really quick start but after that he was just scoring bags and bags of goals and all those turns inside and spraying the ball into the top corner on the far side was happening and then when you seen last season Mane standing across from with his hands out I mean I don't think there's anyone taking a racial bias between uh, Salah and Mane they're just seeing one guy very frustrated not being given the ball and another player so I don't know if it is. It's very, very, very deep in someone's subconscious. Well, and that's where it, but that's where it lives. That's where unconscious bias. That's why it's called unconscious bias. So well, that, can, if, that, if that's Alan Shearer, for example, that's, it's, it's you know, or Harry Kane, by the way, who who costs his team points, and yet people are talking about him being, you know, the most amazing human being who ever lived. No one ever talks Pete, about the amount of, Pete, the amount of Pete, points that guy costs the team. Pete, can I just jump in on it, right? Because. My my view is slightly different, um, and it's more to do. There's 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 three separate views around Salah. I think if you look, if if people look at Salah from the outside who aren't part of the English media set or part of the English Premier League, they recognise him as potentially second or third best player in the world. Okay, um, if the reason why he is there is because he's the type of player that. When he hits form, he scores the messy levels of goals and assists that nobody else has done. You you look at the, the stats, it's, it's above everything else that's there. He's he's way above everybody else in the, in the Premier League in terms of his first three, se- the three seasons with us in terms of what he's delivered. I don't necessarily believe it's racism as such. I think there's a huge English bias in the London media for players that are based in London to perceive them, and if that player happens to be the English captain, he's going to be he's going to be thrown out as being the greatest player in the world. Alan Shearer did it. And Alan Shearer was a, was was a, was a was a good number nine, but after that he was shit. And um, a selfish number nine. Yeah, yeah, but 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 this this is the English thing. Um, you look at Beckham. Beckham was portrayed as one of the greatest wingers of all time because he was English. But outside of England, he was perce- he was perceived as a very good set piece player and could offer a team a lot. Uh, but it was his brand which when they brought to, brought him to a team, sell jerseys, and that's what they were interested in. Real Madrid didn't buy him necessarily for his ability that other players around him had. They brought him because the David Beckham brand was huge and would sell jerseys for Real Madrid around the world, and it would increase. That's their why brand. they didn't win as many trophies, of course. Right. So, but coming back to Salah, for me, Salah is, and I used to, I, I'd have Suarez as, as the greatest footballer I've seen playing for Liverpool, and I will honestly say, 
And, and look, I'm I'm a huge my favorite player, my favorite Liverpool player to watch of all time was John Barnes, and mm-hmm. I would have I would have I would say now that Mo Salah is the greatest Liverpool player, bar none. Nobody has his goals. Nobody has his assists. He has Suarez levels of goals, and he has McManaman levels, yeah. McManaman Barnes levels of assists. He provides the and the reason why he's his productivity has dropped off slightly this season is because he is double teamed in the same way Messi is too double marked in in games, but him being double marked has created the openings and the space money for money from for money to absolutely prosper and and profligate in this team. This is. And I would say most Liverpool, the interesting thing with Liverpool fans is this, there's the Liverpool fan who gets more, actually sees more from the mistakes than he sees from the, what he, what the player achieves. Yeah. And, and the, the, the Salah, for him, Salah is a fella who doesn't take enough, doesn't take his chances enough or whatever. But if, if Salah took every chance, that he made, he'd have 60 goals a season. Exactly. And we'd be saying, we'd be saying that this fella is the greatest footballer of all time. And Messi comes along and Ronaldo comes along once every 25 years. And to have a player that's even close to those two, close to those two, that wants to play for Liverpool, whose heart is with the club, and whether he's there for, it looks like he's going to be with us for at least five years, we should relish him. And thankfully, thankfully, I would say the vast majority of the fan, of our fan base, we call him the Egyptian king. We have a song from that was there straight away and we adore him. And when we look back, when we look back at this time with Mo Salah and you think straight away, you can think of, like I always call it, a player has a signature goal. When I think of Suarez, there's a signature goal. It was the way he struck the ball. Nearly every time he stuck, he cut in from the left and struck a ball so true. With Salah, it's that ball that's played either alongside him or inside him. And he, he basically, his pace he steps inside two players and then just strokes the ball into the bottom corner. And I can think of about five or six different goals where he's done that. Newcastle, Southampton, yeah. You can see them in my head. He's, but Phil, he's, the he's wonderful. That, the, the fact that you have to eulogise as a footballer, and any of us do, Andy has to, Ray has to, eulogise about this, almost backing it up. Does that not say something to you? It says to me that we pay too much attention to social media. And if you actually go and talk to real fans in the open, that people don't see Salah the same way as social media. Well, people don't yeah, see. see this, I, I'm, just, I'm just not getting it on this one at all because he's fucking idolised by the fans. And I, I actually think he's I'm not talking about just our mob. I'm not talking about our mob. I'm talking about, in, in British media terms, yeah. in media, there should be conversation. Come here. Where I, mean, I totally agree I mean? with you. In the media, I totally agree with you. I totally agree how, how Muslim players are recognised in the world as well. I totally agree with you. They don't seem to have a, the, the higher starting point that other people are given chances. But amongst the Liverpool fans, I just I just cannot say enough good things about the people over there and how he's idolised and how he's changed Liverpool fans' opinion of Muslim people and accepting and wanting to learn and be educated about well hate crime against muslims have has gone down 30 percent on marriage in marriage side alone and, since he's and i would say I mean, that's huge yeah, positive i would say he's a huge contributing factor because he he's a like he's a person to be adored there's everything about him like he's such a nice guy seeing all the pictures on social media today um for his birthday and a smile from ear to ear and he's he so, looks like such a family man he's wearing this really cheap t-shirt and you just say this guy is just so normal and i would say he's loved and adored i just don't know whether that sort of thing exists in a liverpool fan's mind when they're growing and i think he's just that type of player greed 
I don't even know where he's greedy. I just think he's when he's doing that, you hear the groans, but yeah. I don't think it I don't oh, think he's it's greedy. coming from he's I don't greedy, think it's coming from a bad place. He's he's greedy, but it's great that he's greedy. That's where all the goals come from. If you're I think not greedy, we probably, I think we probably re- remember all the way back to his debut and his first few games for Liverpool, game, where yeah. you know where he's he could have scored, he could have been off to a ridiculous start that season, and actually to get to where he had got to by the end of the season, considering he wasted so many opportunities. Yeah. And I guess it's it's kind of been there almost since day one that he will miss a lot of chances. And I think, you know, it's just a natural thing. Well, I mean, I mean we, you're, you're talking about a winger here. Yeah. This is yeah. not a centre-forward. Yeah. This is a winger. Yeah. I mean, I, when we all foreseen this guy play for Chelsea, when he had just come from Basel, I think, we thought, this is a winger with pace, but doesn't seem to have any direction. I've never seen anybody to sharpen up their finishing. I mean, I didn't realise he was a decent finisher. I didn't even know he was a decent finisher. I think, yeah. I think, Ray, look, do, um, do, yeah. do you mind if I have to, Ray, do, do you mind if I have to find work? Because as I said, on, I, I rate Salah as... As have the first word, have the final word. And the one in between. And the one in between. <laughs> but like, I, I do rate him as, as, as the greatest Liverpool player of all time. And, and now people would jump all over and say blah, blah, blah. But like, you can't beat it. 144 games, 91 goals, 24 assists. Right? That's outrageous. And then you go and you say, since Salah has come to the club, we've gone to two European Cup finals. We've won a European Cup. We've won the Club World Cup. We've won the Super Cup. And we've won the Premier League. There's only three players on our team that can be called the true difference makers. And listen, I love Sadio Mane, but he was there before we got we, we got to this. Yeah, point, right. The key yeah. the three the three players, Van Dijk, Allison, and Salah. They have been they have been the team that have lifted this team from being a top four team to being the runaway record-breaking champions that we are. Yeah, and I, you know what, uh, you're dead right, um, Phil. I think I think we, as a fanboy base, we seem to f- uh, feel... Fanboy. A fanboy. I'll <laughs> 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 so, hold me, I'll hold me hand up, boy. Uh, uh, I was looking at a, a compilation of Asaidi last night and I'm, I, I feel like I'm a fanboy of a player <laughs> that I never really got to know when we play for us. But, but uh, as, a, as a fan base, we, we feel the need to talk up Sadio Mane a lot. Have you noticed that? Mm. Um, yeah. Why don't you recognize him? We, we seem to be talking up like so often that people don't see him. We don't really need to do that as Salah. Salah is recognized worldwide as up there now with Messi and Ronaldo and Van Dijk Again, he's recognised as a player who's out there in his own, and Alisson is, is clearly the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Um, we talk up Firmino into those brackets. We talk up Mane into those. But realistically, they are they are the difference makers. They are the three world-class players. And we went through so many years having one difference maker in Stevie G. And then, um, you know, other players came along, came and gone. But right now, we've, we've those three difference makers and then a few players that are really knocking on the door as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, look, true. I think we can consider that a bonus segment there on uh, Mo Salah because we were, we <laughs> were due birthday. to wrap it. Phil was insistent we on due... <laughs> A little birthday present for Mo Salah. We were <laughs> due to wrap this thing up about 20 minutes ago. But um, we're going to close it out now. We're coming up to about an hour and a half, so we are going to close it out. Um, How are you hosting? Just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Not for that particular bonus segment. Um <laughs> So we're, I'm just going to go around quick prediction for um, next Sunday. Yeah, we're going to be 
three months since we uh, looked ahead and gave a prediction. So I'm going to go around and going to ask for a prediction, and I'm also going to ask a second question as well. So Andy, um, prediction for next week, and I want a yes or no by this time next week. Um, given that City will have played two games, Liverpool will have played one games. Will Liverpool be champions? So prediction, and will we be champions this time next week? Prediction is Everton nil, Liverpool six. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get 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 on it. Fill your boots. Fill your wheelbarrow. Whatever you you know. Put money on Liverpool. Absolutely tearing uh, everything a new arsehole. And the, I don't think we'll be champions by this time next week. I think City will have, um, you know, pretty much a hundred percent record for the next few games, and uh, our, ourselves too. So it's going to take us our, our two wins. Palace yeah, game, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, Pete. Same uh, two questions. Three-one Liverpool, and three, yes, one Liverpool. To, yes, to be champions after uh, Arsenal squeak and an inexplicable two-one win against City. You heard here first. Okay, wow. And Phil, finally you. I I think Everton get a fluky 2-1 win over us. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Just just Jordan Jordan Pickford scores from a (laughs) kick-out. Don't catch it just from a kick-out. Exactly. So I you've think, answered the second question because under them circumstances we can't uh, we no, can't be champions this time. That's, that's not true. That's not true because you said City play twice. I think City lose and draw their next two games. So I think they draw against. I think they draw against the, both think, games, wouldn't they? If we got beat by Everton, but anyway, I'm, I'm if, too late. If City lose one game, I don't think it can be. I don't think no. mathematically. So City, if City lose, we, we, we're champions. Isn't that right? We're twenty five. We're, we're twenty five oh, points we clear. We need to win the game as well, Andy. We would still need to win. What Phil's saying here is that Liverpool will lose, which would mean we'd need City to lose both their games against Arsenal and Burnley no. to no. be champions next no. week. No, no, you're wrong. Because in that instance, City are, uh, City have thirty points to play for, and we're twenty five points clear. If City lost and drew their game, right, they would only have twenty five points. In total, that they could get, they could get from the last the, the remaining games, including That's the draw that true. they got. And in the head to head, once we didn't lose to City, we'd win the league because the head to head record comes into play, and we've beaten them at Anfield. Does it come into play? Yeah. God, if that was announced last July, then I've completely forgotten about it. But look, I think we, uh, I think we sneak past Everton with a, a two-one win. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty. Uh, but I think we will get the job done, and it might it might come down to a late goal. And um, yeah, I've got a sneaky feeling we will we will win this league um, by not being uh, on the pitch when it happens. Um, and I think it could be Burnley who who uh, uh, pull out an upset next Monday night. So uh, this time next week, Liverpool Football Club champions for a nineteenth time. It sounds good. And we'll be back with you next uh, next Monday to celebrate. Now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. 
People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Sports Social Podcast Network.